Welcome to our service for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. And I am pleased to announce that we will be beginning in-person services again next Sunday. Numbers are quite low, COVID numbers, in this area. So we'll just keep our eyes on those numbers and we'll observe all the guidelines and we should be okay. So we'll see you soon if you live in this area. If you don't or if you don't feel safe coming to church yet, that's okay. Our online services and our podcast will continue. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our opening hymn is Hail to the Lord's Anointed. together the prayer of the day. Compassionate God, you gather the whole universe into your radiant presence and continually reveal your Son as our Savior. Bring wholeness 
to all that is broken and speak truth to us in our confusion that all creation will see and know your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not hear the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. The psalm is Psalm 111. Hallelujah! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Great are your works, O Lord, pondered by all who delight in them. Majesty and splendor mark your deeds, and your righteousness endures forever. You cause your wonders to be remembered. You are gracious and full of compassion. You give food to those who fear you, remembering forever your covenant. You have shown your people the power of your works in giving them the lands of the nations. The works of your hands are faithfulness and justice. All of your precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. You sent redemption to your people and commanded your covenant forever. Holy and awesome is your name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice this have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. Now, concerning food sacrifice to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. 
For if others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. So, here it is again. Once again, a demon. A demon. And it's significant. It's important that we come across this demon near the beginning of Mark. First, for us, the first chapter of Mark. Mark, of course, didn't compose his gospel with chapters, but it's near the beginning. And I'll say more about that later. But this, it may be the first, but it is not the last demon we're going to be hearing about. And it's a little bit hard, at least for some of us, to know what to make of this because we don't experience a lot of demons or unclean spirits, as they're sometimes called. So we need to find a way to think about this. And maybe a good place to start would be that, that you remember, if you took Hamlet in, in high school, as I did, you may, may remember that famous remark in Hamlet, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are dreamt of in your philosophy. The universe is infinitely more complicated and mysterious than we know or imagine. I, I could be getting this all wrong, but the way I think about, about all this is that there, there's a spiritual dimension. Maybe that's not the right word, maybe I should say aspect, but there's some part of reality that, that's spiritual. Reality isn't just, it's not only material, it's also spiritual. When we talk about demons, we're not just talking about spiritual reality, though we're talking about evil. Right, so this, this is how I think about the de demonic. Evil has many dimensions, emotional, personal, social, political, economic, physical, and spiritual. 
It's, it's a physical reality, but it also has a spiritual dimension. And sometimes people emphasize some of these aspects of evil more than others. And sometimes there are good reasons for this, and sometimes there aren't. I, I don't think I'll get into that. You know, don't get into the weeds, people tell me, so let's stay out of the weeds. The point is that for one reason or another in our society, we do not pay a lot of attention to the spiritual dimension or dimensions of reality at all. And that includes the spiritual dimension of evil. The society Jesus lived in, on the other hand, paid quite a bit of attention to evil as a spiritual. It's not that they weren't aware of other aspects or dimensions of evil. They knew perfectly well that there were political and economic and material dimensions to suffering and evil and death. When Jesus said in Luke, blessed are the poor, he was talking about actual material poverty. And when he threw the merchants and the bankers out of the temple, that was about political and economic dimensions of evil. Jesus didn't ignore those aspects of evil by any means. But it also seems that in first century Palestine, there was a lot of attention paid to the demonic, to the spiritual dimension of evil. And in the Gospels, demons are associated mostly with, with physical ailments. Maybe, I'm, I'm just speculating, but maybe because people at that time really did not know much about any of the other aspects of sickness and disease and disability, and they had no other ways to deal with it. They played to their strengths. Okay, I, I'm going to move on now. I'm just going to finish this section, the, the what about these demons section, by saying that it would be good for us. It would be good for people in our society if we paid more attention to the spiritual dimension of reality. We probably all agree about that. But I don't think it would be a good idea for us to go looking for the demonic. That... That seldom seems to end well. Uh, I, I'm not saying the demonic doesn't exist. I'm not saying there's no spiritual evil. I think there is. And that's why I say we shouldn't go looking for it. But it's real. It's real. All right, let's, let's move on. What we just heard in the gospel reading comes, comes near the beginning of Mark, as I already mentioned. And that's, that's significant. That's important. Mark is setting out the main points of his gospel at, at the beginning of his gospel, as good writers often do. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did, and this is what he's still doing. Mark has already told us Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The first words of the gospel of Mark are the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, or Jesus Messiah, the Son of God. And then he tells us that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were torn apart, ripped open, and the Spirit came into him. And a voice from heaven said, you are my son, the beloved. And then the Spirit, and this is how Mark puts it, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. And just notice that language, drove him out. The Spirit drove him. It, it almost sounds like Jesus 
is possessed by the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. And, and he's in the wilderness, sometimes described as the abode of demons, for 40 days, tempted by Satan, doing battle with evil, with the heart, with the essence, with the spiritual power of evil and death. Because that's what Jesus is here to do. He's here to defeat evil, to overthrow the reign of Satan and bring the reign of God. This is his message, Mark says. This is what he preaches. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And the powers of evil, the demons, are not happy. They resist this. So when Jesus teaches in that synagogue, synagogue in Capernaum, a man who's possessed, helplessly dominated, bound by, by an unclean spirit, cries out, What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth. So here we've got the Holy One of God versus the unholy. And the demon has it right. Jesus has come to destroy the powers of evil and their reign of death and bring the reign of life and goodness, the kingdom of God. And as the people in the synagogue say, he has power over the unclean spirits. All I'm going to say, we're at the beginning of the gospel. There's a lot more to come. We don't have to do it all today. And this is already quite a bit. And it's worth pausing and, and thinking about this and, and praying about this. Already we have an epiphany, a revelation, a showing forth. Jesus begins to push back evil. The reign of evil, the reign of God has come near. Filled with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, with all the power and authority of God, Jesus is here to do battle with the powers of evil, the powers of death. And though they will certainly try, they cannot stand against him. And that, as Mark says, is good news. Amen. Let's confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, in Jesus, you have freed us for life with you and rebuked everything that threatens us. Let the teaching of your good news be spread abroad with such authority that all creation may be reconciled. As we pray, let us give thanks to God with our whole heart. And the response is, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Raise up for your church prophets like Moses, who will speak everything you command. Help us to listen to your teaching and teach your gospel. Let us give thanks to God with our whole heart. 
The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Rescue us from the knowledge that puffs up and fill us with your love which builds up for the sake of our community. Let us give thanks to God with our whole heart. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You gave your disciples power over unclean spirits. Help us to set the world free from the reign of evil and to bring the reign of God with you. Let us give thanks to God with our whole heart. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Receive our prayers that we offer for all who need you, in particular those we name silently or out loud. Let us give thanks to God with our whole heart. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. We offer our prayers to God the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist, in the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives and reigns in us forever. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let's say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you all. Amen.
be the light of Christ.